Hey, and welcome to the latest edition of the Behan Brothers Podcast. I'm Andrew, here with Emmett, and we are going to talk about Auburn football today. Um, an exciting topic for us, us being uh, two big Auburn fans. I'm an Auburn grad. Uh, we've both grown up just around Auburn our whole lives, so this ought to be a good one. Uh, the first thing we really want to kick off with, uh, this past weekend, Auburn had a big scrimmage. Um, their first real scrimmage under Hugh Freeze, you know, outside of A-Day, you know, in fall camp as they're getting things rolling here. And the big question mark going into the season has been who's going to be the starting quarterback? Yeah, and it's a unique, a more unique situation than last year, whereas last year we were saying, oh, God, do we have a quarterback? This yeah. year it's which one is going to be the quarterback? There's three quarterbacks, true people that can go play and win. Right. But which one's going to be the best? Which one's going to win the job? And there's been a lot of conflicting, not conflicting, but different opinions on how the scrimmage went as far as how the quarterbacks played. And there's a lot of factors that went in that, like which quarterback went against the ones on defense, which quarterback ran the ball more, which quarterback had success throwing at short range and long range, just a million different factors and a million different opinions on it. So it's kind of hard to waver through all those. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you've got three different quarterbacks, and and I mean that in the sense of they're truly three different styles of players. Um, and then, you know, to your point about the scrimmages, you know, I, I've heard it, you know, for every positive in a scrimmage, there's a negative. So if your run team, if you, if you do great running the ball, well, then you're going to sit there and say, well, where was our run defense, right? And that was actually something that came out of the scrimmage. Um, if, you know, your receivers aren't catching the ball or, you know, you're, you have a lot of incompletions, you know, you, oh, well, maybe the defense was doing good. Maybe the corners were doing good. Or maybe the quarterback and the receivers just weren't on the same page. Yeah, I mean, the three different quarterbacks, yeah, R- Robbie, he's known for running. Like, he's a speedster. And really, when if he were to be the starting quarterback, everybody's going to be asking it of him, hey, throw 60% and have like 20 attempts like you don't have to throw it that much just run the ball good mm. uh peyton thorn you're a hybrid you got to be good at both know how to read a defense really is your main thing right holden be the pocket passer make smart decisions be the most accurate passer because that's what you're known for so hold on to that because that's kind of what's keeping you in the fight right now right uh, yeah the offense is going to look completely different depending on who's at quarterback you know i feel like Peyton Thorne is sort of the the one in between where if you go with him, you can kind of pick your poison on who you have as the backup, you know, where if you, you know, Peyton Thorne can run a little bit. He's sort of got the same style of play as Bo Nix in terms of he can make the passes, he can run a little bit, you know, he's effective in all areas of the game. Um, He may not have the strongest arm, he may not have the fastest legs, right? Holden Garner probably has the strongest arm. Um, probably the most accuracy out of all three quarterbacks. Robbie Ashford is probably the absolute most athletic. He may be the most athletic guy on the team. I mean, he's just an absolute freak of an athlete. I mean, you saw him last year, even when he was hurt late in the season, I mean, he put the team on his back. And yeah. I don't think Auburn fans were giving him enough credit for uh, the pain he endured, um, both socially and physically, you know, from that season last year. And, uh, you know, I, I think all three quarterbacks can be successful. It's just going to be a different flavor of offense with each, three, with each one of them. And to credit Robbie, I don't want to pump him too much. If, you know, I'll be honest, if it were my opinion, I would say go, go ahead and put Robbie as a starter. But, you know, those first three games, you're going to be able to rotate a lot of guys. So that's where my opinion is on it. Um, but to Robbie's benefit, he didn't start the season last year. He played behind T.J. Finley, which why nobody knows. Only God knows. Um, he got better as the year progressed forward. I remember that Georgia game. That was, to me, his worst game when he fumbled that ball from nobody touching him. Right. But then that Mississippi State, something switched, and he like put the team on his back, like you said. Yeah. And in Alabama, by the time we got to Alabama, he was throwing the ball a little bit better. He threw that deep pass for a touchdown. Oh, yeah, great will route that yeah. he hit there. I mean, you know, the, the DBs all sucked in, and he just tossed it over the top. And uh, I think it was Javarius Johnson went out and, I mean, caught it in stride, scored a touchdown. I mean, it was a beautiful pass. I mean, it was a, 
you know, I believe on the broadcast, you know, they even talked about, like, that's NFL-quality pass that he just threw. I mean... Yeah, and his problem isn't the ability. His problem is, can you do it consistently? That's been his biggest question mark is, can you hit the slant route for seven yards and throw the deep ball? That's really what he struggled with last year was throwing the short passes. I mean, he had more issues throwing the short and intermediate passes than he did the long passes. He could hit the deep passes. Yeah, and... I remember Bo Nix had a real big problem with that, mm-hmm. throwing the deep ball. And I was always confused by that because, you know, it's really brainless activity. You just throw it deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just throw it as hard as you can. Right. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's way more complicated than that. But then you look at the short routes and you're seeing Robbie miss them, throwing behind people. And I'm just like, well, that should also not – it can't be that complicated. Now, also, again, to credit Robbie, he's probably running for his life – the second he catches the snap because yeah. the offensive line was atrocious. So. Yeah, a huge part a huge part of last year, whether it was TJ Finley or, or Robbie Ashford, was they both knew in their minds, I don't have but, you know, a second and a half to two seconds to get to make a decision and get rid of the ball. That only gives you enough time to, you know, when you're in shotgun formation, that only gives you enough time to be able to really look at the defense, maybe make one read, and then you gotta decide, can I go or not? In fact I remember the play I remember him fumbling on was uh, uh, it was against LSU. You know, Auburn was in that game with yeah. LSU, um, and I was I was at that Auburn LSU game, and I remember there was a, a zone read, and uh, he pulled it and it hit the running back, and then he ended up dropping the ball anyways um, after yeah. he had kind of securely taken it away from him. He fumbled it out of nowhere, and it was just if you go back and watch the replay. He's just moving too fast. Yeah. You know, his brain is moving faster than his body is. Yeah. He looked scared. And I would be too. Yeah. <laughs> Again, these Tank Bigsby had 0.4 yards before contact. That means he basically was able to take one step after receiving the handoff. So, as a quarterback, <laughs> what goes through your mind when a 300 pound man you know is about to hit you the second you take the ball? Yeah. Like, that's got to mess with your head a lot. Yeah, and I think that's why you saw sort of a light switch go off with him, you know, once Cadillac and team took over. I'm sure they told him, hey, we're going to run the ball because that's what we can do effectively. Um, that's the best thing that we can do. And when you when you take some decisions away from a quarterback that's struggling and you say, hey, your best asset is your legs right now, right? And you say, hey, you know what? I just need you to use your legs, right? I need you to make – 10, 15 passes in a game um, just to keep drives alive, you know, or, or maybe hit, you know, a touchdown like what we saw against Alabama. But we really want to utilize your legs. We're going to use misdirection to open up some holes and all those type of things. It allows the guys to play fast. You hear, like on broadcasts I, I, or, or um, on the radio, I hear folks talking about, like, you know, the game's moving too fast for him. Mm-hmm. Or, or even when it's like a year two quarterback, you always feel like, oh, the game really slowed down for him. Yeah. And what that means is that that quarterback is now able to process what's going on in a much shorter time frame in his mind. And so he can just focus on receiving the ball and doing what he needs to do. He's All he's doing now is making decisions, and his body's doing the rest. Yeah, the muscle memory kicks in. Right. And the body's going to do what it's going to do, and really the only decisions you're making is – who do I throw it to, or where am I running it? Yeah, it's not really a matter of where are my feet right, like all these other other different situations and how to avoid pressure and all this kind of stuff. It becomes simplified because your body just knows what to do, right? Which is a weird phenomenon that happens. But Peyton Thorne, on the other hand, moving on to him, he comes in from Michigan State. He had a lesser year than he did his first year there. Uh, I think that was a lot to do with offensive line problems again. Yeah, their 2021 season, though, he stepped into that role, and he was really a, a great quarterback. I mean, Michigan State fans thought very highly of him. Um, last year was sort of an up-and-down yeah. year for them. Um, a lot of it was because of their offensive line. Um, but Peyton Thorne was really, really effective his first year. And I, that's this is the beauty of the situation, if you're an Auburn fan. No matter who gets this job, you're going to win a very good amount of games this year. Peyton Thorne looks like he could be the guy. Mm-hmm. Robbie Ashford, there are question marks with him. He's got to he's got to figure out that short game passing and how to be more consistent with passing. He's got to 
just be better at making decisions, which I think he's gotten better, but has he gotten better to the point where he's given us the best chance to win every game? Or is Peyton Thorne the guy that gives us the best chance to win every game? And I think the other side of that, too, is that you also wonder, okay, what are we just seeing practice Robbie, right, versus game Robbie? Auburn fans have dealt with that with whether it be Jeremy Johnson or T.J. Finley. or There have been so many quarterbacks that have come through Auburn recently that have looked great in practice, and then they go out in the games and, you know, just get deer in the headlights. Well, that's the thing is you got to have that X factor, and – you can't take that away from Robbie because that guy plays all hard. Like right. he is willing to die to score a touchdown for Auburn. It's yeah. insane, and I love it. And I think sometimes to his detriment too, he yeah. gets a little bit too emotional. You heard Hugh Freeze talk about that, yeah. and at the A Day game actually, he talked about how Robbie's got to get control of his emotions. And they've all said he's made progress with that. He's done much better with that. Um, those are big things because if you're in control of your emotions, if the game's able to slow down for you. You're able to make clearer and better decisions and really process and understand what's going on around. And I would say Bo Nix had the same problem when he got it involved. Yeah. He had a looming shadow to fill with his dad mm-hmm. playing. He's a legend. Um, he's dealing with, again, a terrible offensive line, which you'll hear that a lot from Auburn since the past 10 years have been rough. Um, and then the play calling when Bo was there was just very questionable. I, and he showed it on the sidelines. I'll never forget that South Carolina game when he went over to co- the coach and started yelling at him. And it's a whether, bad look. Whether it's whether it's a bad call or not, as far as play calls go, you don't do that right. on live television. Right. Wait till the locker room and ask him respectfully because he's still your coach. Mm-hmm. You don't yell at your coach. I just disagree with that completely. Yeah. Now, if you're yelling at the offensive lineman to block, I would love that. Get your light a fire up underneath. Yeah. You, there's a difference in being a leader and then being a griper. Yeah. You know. So. So yeah, so I think I think most fans would feel most comfortable just without seeing any games played. Most fans will feel most comfortable hearing Peyton Thorne being the starting quarterback. Yeah. Because they've seen Robbie Ashford play and they're afraid they're gonna get the same old yeah. same old Robbie Ashford. And that's an understandable fear. However, I don't think it's warranted either. Like I get why you believe that. I also don't get why you don't believe that this coach can develop Robbie into a better quarterback by the time the season starts. Well, we've not done a preseason review of Auburn. We've talked about it yeah. a lot, but we haven't done the full-on podcast review of Auburn. But I think you and I have, in our discussions, have, have both talked about how really, you know, people are hammering Auburn. You know, this is a team that went 6-6 six and six in the regular season in 21. They went 5-7 and seven last year. And yet people are calling for this team to go, you know, to win three games, four games, five games again. If you don't think Hugh Freeze and his coaching and the transfer portal guys that he's brought in are worth at least another win or two, it's not like Auburn lost a ton last year. I mean, defensively, you lost a few guys. You lost Owen Papo. uh, They lost, excuse me, Colby Wooden. You lost uh, Derek Hall. Those are your three big, biggest losses on the defensive side of the ball. But other than that, yeah, who'd you lose? Well, the fact that the defense is where you really lost stuff, I mean, that's saying something because we didn't score. <laughs> like, right. We rarely scored. Right. So the fact that we're retaining Robbie is good. Number two, we're getting in a brand new offense. People don't really understand how bad Brian Harson was when it comes to putting people in the best position to win. For instance, the fact that he started T.J. Finley makes zero sense. He knows we have a bad offensive line. Why would you put somebody with concrete feet Mm -hmm. at quarterback? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and you also have to, no matter who you put back there, you have to call plays and call an offense that benefits that player's skills. And he was running a true, you know, more of a pro-style offense with T.J. Finley, and that's sort of T.J. Finley's skill set, but even then – we should have been leaning heavily on the run game, yeah. you know, instead of trying to have some sort of, like, super balanced attack. We rarely ran a play action. Granted, we wouldn't have had time to, but still, we didn't run it ever. We also, the routes was just, it seemed like you could tell who the guy was supposed to be. Each right. Time. There right. was one guy trying <laughs> as a wide receiver, and the rest were like, where am I supposed to go on this play? So there's not even a check down. Yeah. Because the other wide receiver's, aren't going to get the ball, and they know it. 
Right. Yeah, and you know, so when you when you look at the team really last year, I just don't know that the offense that Harson ran was the best suited offense for what that team brought to the table. And that's a, it's a really hard thing to do to transition an offense like that. It actually happened to Tommy Tuberville back in uh, 2008, 2009. He saw the writing on the wall that power eye formation was going away and this, you know, true zone read, um, you know, hurry up offense that Gus Malzahn had been running at Arkansas was really going to take, take over college football. So he tried to transition his team to that, but they weren't ready for it. They did not have the personnel for that. Um, and you can't do that overnight. You can't just, on a whim, change your offense. There are a number of other issues with the Tommy Tuberville offense at that time, too. But that was one of the causes. So I think that's where I go back to Hugh Freeze knows how to call an offense to best suit his team's needs. Yes, He's shown it at Ole Miss. He's shown it at Liberty. People forget that in his last year at Liberty, I think they were on their third or fourth string quarterback. Yeah. And they weren't all, you know, Malik Willis, you know, Robbie Ashford-style yeah. quarterbacks. Each one of them was different, and he was able to make it work. And they were – I think they were ended up being a 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four team at the end of the day. I know, I know they're, they're, they're an FBS team and, and all that, but he was still able to be successful at his level on a third or fourth string quarterback. And, I, in fact, I think their third or fourth string quarterback beat Arkansas. Yeah. I think so. I think you're right on that. Um, I mean, that's that's where I'm really getting confused because I'll see Auburn fans say who they want at quarterback, just like I'm saying it right now. Right. And there needs to be a moment of reflection and being like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, in the grand scheme, the quarterback is the least of our worries. There are other questions on this team that are like, this isn't really fixable, like, yeah. overnight. This yeah. is like a, we need players type deal but the quarterbacks whoever gets in that game Hugh Freeze I'm very confident he's gonna be able to call a play that's going to be successful I, I'm not worried about who the quarterback is it's just an interesting topic of conversation so when people pick sides I'm a little weary of that like I said I'm, I want Robbie to be the starter but if Peyton Thorne or Holden goes out there I'm gonna be okay with it because they're both good they're all three of them are good yeah, I mean it's funny because you're you're kind of pulling for Robbie in a certain way, but I think we're both on the same page. Of I feel confident with whoever they yeah. put out there. You know, I think the one that you may honestly would say would have the least amount of confidence just because of the lack of experience. But the guy I'm pulling for is Holden Garner. Um, I I personally would love to see Auburn go back to um, more of a true passer style offense where you run the ball, you know, up the middle. Um, you get rid of the ball quickly as a quarterback. Uh, you make good decisions. You read the defense. You know you make audibles at the line of scrimmage. You saw Bo Nix do that a little bit yeah. under Harson, um, and I thought it was effective for Bo Nix. Actually, I thought he took a step forward. You know that year he was with Harson um, uh, in that in that regard, in terms yeah. of reading a defense and making those calls as a quarterback. I thought Bo Nix did a good job of progressing his game that way. I think no matter what you look at, you know, Auburn, this is a foundation year. Yeah. You know, you want to see this team make progress. You want to see this team uh, do some things offensively to show that how effective they can be. You want to see the, the team make defensive progress and show, you know, hey, we've got the right defensive play callers um, in place to be effective on that side of the ball and build off of that for 2024. And that's why I pull for Holden, because I feel like he's the long-term guy for Auburn for for potentially the next two to three years if you put him in now. I, I hear what you're saying, and we've kind of had this debate before with the pro-style versus RPO yeah. type deal. Um, I'm more of an RPO guy. I think it's more exciting to watch. You did bring up a great point. When was the last time someone won a national championship with RPO? Fantastic point. However, if there were to be a school to do it, I think it would be Auburn. I don't think – because most RPO schools are, what, Georgia Tech, 
they're one of them. I mean, how many big name schools run RPO? Well, a lot of schools now run the RPO. I mean, even Alabama runs an RPO kind of base offense now, but you know they're going to do it in a way that protects the football and really kind of manages the game that way. Still, even with Bryce Young at quarterback, you know, not saying he was merely a game manager. He's an exceptional quarterback. Um, but you know, Nick Saban's number one task for his quarterbacks is don't turn the ball over, yeah. right? Um, and Bryce Young certainly did that, but you know, you've got to, to me, the pro style offense or a more pro style offense, a pocket passer quarterback style offense allows the quarterback to not have to be a superstar. Whereas in an RPO or zone read, whatever you want to call it style offense, um, where the quarterback is more of a running threat, right? When you have a dual threat, you know, style quarterback, um, that quarterback is relied upon as a key cog of the offense. He's not just the guy throwing the ball. Yeah. He's got to be your yard gainer too. Yeah, and it's a very, again, logically I agree with you uh, because it's more sustainable. You, you, less risk of injury for the quarterback. That's the main one that I think of. Yeah. But also just simplicity of a pro-style offense is just better. However, I just love when I see a quarterback lower his shoulder and run somebody over. That is just one of my oh, favorite it, things in the world. It's exciting. I, you know, Robbie Ashford, you know, particularly Nick Marshall, what you know, whoever, those style guys, they are electric to yeah. watch. I mean, I was at Auburn when Cam Newton was there. I mean, it was it was my first football season as a student there. It was incredible. Yeah. Um you need to re enroll. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was awesome. I mean, it was great, you know, but at the same time, you know, I also remember watching, you know, Brandon Cox and Jason Campbell and, you know, all these other guys kind of come through and effectively move the ball downfield by picking apart a defense, you know. And that's demoralizing for a defense. And it also gives your defense a chance to rest, yeah. gives them a chance to make adjustments that they might need, you know, and it wears down the other team, you know, as much as um, – and, and it and – it, gets your team confidence as you as you move down the field yeah i think we we also talked about this i think one of the things that was unique in that 2013 year is there weren't so many rules to the rpo yeah uh especially then this is i think one of the main reasons why gus Malzahn's offense worked so well was by the time that third quarter came to it since he was just running hurry up no huddle that defense was tired you could see it their, their hands were on their hips like they were gasping for air right but then they, they added that substitution rule and it had to slow down you had to slow your offense down yeah and nobody else at that time was really running it that way i mean there were there were a few you know smaller schools doing it you know and 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 they were all kind of came from that same coaching tree as gus Malzahn. um and that's why it was so effective once de- i think i honestly think defenses defenses have caught up to the RPO offense, and, and I still think it's effective. I mean, defenses knew how to stop a pro-style offense back in the back in the 2000s, but teams went away from it because the RPO was more effective at that time, right? They did not have the personnel to stop it. Yeah. At that, I think teams have become much more athletic on defense and much less power, and so now if you go out there and you put a power offense out there, you can be really effective yeah. and, and now wear a team down. That's one thing I would be excited to watch is it just an eye formation again. Like just I'd love to see some eye, eye formation awesome. football. If you go back and watch like 2005, you know, 2006, 2007 football, and you see eye formation, you see a fullback blasting through the hole, you know, you see you know a guard pull and kick out, and man, it's exciting football to watch yeah. that. And you just see line, you know, a linebacker or a safety coming down downhill to hit a running back and it's just pops man yeah i mean it is just big pops left and right yeah now i don't know if you can have that anymore either though that gets into rules yeah i mean yeah you know you probably get some more targeting calls at that point which you know be really sorry way to do it but i hate that rule it yeah i mean the game has changed i i agree with you and the and the the referees and the the rules have really affected the game there's the substitution rule you know, after Auburn completed that pass, Nick Marshall to, to Sammy Coates in the Iron Bowl, that was really one of the plays that folks pointed to 
Nick Saban pointed to. Yes. That said, hey, you know, you had an offensive lineman, you know, five, six yards downfield, even though it was 20 yards away from the play, he wasn't going to affect the play. But, okay, hey, now offensive linemen, you know, can't be more than two yards down the field when the ball is released unless they're engaged with the player, right? So, you know, all those type things, they do affect that RPO, and they, they yeah. affect the hurry-up offense. It does. Just you, – you mentioned it a second ago. There's a lot of ticky-tacky rules yeah. in football now. And I mentioned targeting a second ago. I understand wanting player safety. I really do. However, in the back of my mind, I still recognize the fact that all these players are willingly going out there. They all know, like, yeah. what's at risk. So targeting, it definitely needs to be solved where a player shouldn't get ejected. I think that's the dumbest thing, and it needs to be solved immediately. No player should ever be ejected for targeting. That is just ridiculous. Well, I think there needs to be judgment calls. You know, I think yeah. I think the rules officials have really tried to move away from the judgment calls, and some of the judgment calls were good. So they used to have a judgment call that was on, um, and this one may still be intact, I, I can't recall, but on when you made contact with the punter. It used to be that if you made egregious contact with the punter, it was roughing the kicker, yeah. right? If you just grazed him and he fell down, it was running into the kicker, and that was a five-yard penalty, yeah. right? So there's things like that, you know? Um, I think targeting should be the same way. It should be like, hey, that was an egregious helmet-to-helmet. You speared the guy, you know, you were trying to kill the dude, yeah. right? And that should be a 15-yard penalty and an ejection, yes. right? But a helmet-to-helmet contact, an incidental helmet-to-helmet contact, for instance... I'm willing to say 90% of targeting calls. I think so, too. Smoke Monday versus Penn State. Smoke Monday. Two, two years ago. every time How many, I, There's a lot of Smoke Monday calls. You just got called for targeting, actually. Oh, did you really? <laughs> well, so, you know, Smoke Monday, but, you know, there was a goal-line play against Penn State when Auburn played at Penn State two years ago, mm-hmm. and he had to go up. There, there was literally no other option other than to just simply let him score. Right. I mean, and so you, you can't do that in a game. And so to and have that's, him... That's one of those plays where I'm like, you shouldn't call it. No. What Like, what do you want the player to do? You're asking them to stop playing football. There, That's where I say there's got to be some level of judgment call yeah. that you can make on those type things. And I like now that at least the flag is thrown and then they review it to see if it's there or not. But I still think... The ejection part of it, if it's incidental, if it's a guy just trying to make a tackle and both players go low, your helmets are going to hit. Yeah, your helmets are going to hit almost every time you tackle someone. Right. Because, and they say, the dumbest thing I hear announcers say is, you got to lead with your shoulder. Guys, your head's right next to your shoulder. Right, <laughs> right, right. Where do you think your head's going? The guy's going to miss. I'm probably going to miss a little bit. He's going to move a little bit, right? And then... I, I just don't get that saying of yeah. lead with the shoulder. Right. But, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Go. But at the same time, you can't arm tackle. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's a it, you're talking uh, to your point. It's a fine line. I mean, yeah. literally between your neck yeah. and your and your shoulder, you know. And then you've got a collarbone there, which will break pretty yes. easily too. So there, there's just a lot, you know, that has changed in the game, and um, from a, a refereeing standpoint, and it's changed the way the game played. Um, but you know. I go back to I, my personal preference would be a pro style offense. I, that's what I kind of enjoy watching. I do like the RPO. Um, I think there's something to be said for it. I think it's exciting, um, but I also feel like RPO offense really you have to have the perfect blend of quarterback and running back and offensive line and receivers. They've all got to mesh really well together. Whereas in a pro style, you know. It, it's really more about decision-making and scheme and, and play-calling that, you know, um, decide the you know decide the outcome of the game and execution. So what do you think would be the best offense for this year's Auburn team? Yeah, so I – if Auburn had a fullback. Yeah. If Auburn had a fullback, I would say pro-style formation would be there because yeah. I, I think – Based off the scrimmage and based off of what players have said in spring and now in fall camp, they've all said that this Auburn offensive line is much better than they were in years past. And 
to hear that is music to every Auburn fan's ears that we can now actually, you know, run block uh, or block at all. Um, <laughs> Stand in front of somebody. Like yeah, this. I mean, so I think if we had a fullback, I th- I would say, but yeah. you but you can still run a run heavy offense out of, you know, out of shotgun. Yeah, you're gonna need some counters. Stuff like that, right? I mean, you know, it's just it's different runs, but I, but I think I think more of a pro style, maybe more of the modern pro style, which yeah. is a, a shotgun formation pro style type offense, pistol type stuff. That would be that would be most effective for this team. I think you can be successful. I think this team can be highly successful with the RPO zone read scheme, um, but I don't think an RPO zone read scheme would showcase all of the players' abilities like a pro style would. I, I agree with that last statement for sure. I think I default to RPO, and I think it's just the past 10 years have traumatized me with watching offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, I don't believe the people when they talk about the offensive line. I'm like, I'm not going to believe it until I watch you go out there and block. I hear you. I am way too weary of being confident in an offensive line and just seeing it fall fall apart. Right, clearly. right. So I default to RPO, which thus leads to my reasoning for wanting Robert to be the quarterback. And Peyton, Peyton Thorne, it's not a knock on him. It's just you played at Michigan State. I've watched your highlights, but I, I mean, I haven't watched you. You know. I think that's why Peyton Thorne is probably considered the guy. I mean, a you don't transfer from Michigan You're State right. where you likely have the starting job. Yeah. Right. You're at least the, have the lead going into yeah. the off season. You don't transfer from there to come down to Auburn to, you know, to be on the bench. I mean, that that's not going to happen. So, but I also think Peyton Thorne, like we said at the beginning, he's really a blend of the skill sets between Robbie and Holden. He's an accurate passer, um, but he can move a little bit. Yeah. So with him, you can kind of do whatever you need to do. Yeah. You know, he's probably not going to, hopefully not going to take a big hit. Um Outside of if he's moving downfield, I'm sure he knows how to slide and and, do, and avoid contact and, and those type of things. I know, but you know that's where that's where the risk is if you put yeah. in a, a Holden, you know, yeah. and you don't know what your offensive line looks like. Yeah, you know, Peyton Thorne can alleviate some of that pressure. Yeah, even early on while the offensive line is still trying to figure it out. And I think that's. I mean, I say I'm rooting for Robbie. <laughs> I guess I'm not really rooting for Robbie. It's just more of. I am more comfortable with seeing Robbie. However, I want to see Peyton in a game. I want to see them all three in a game. Yeah. That's the main thing. Is We can sit here and talk about practice all the time, but it's just practice. I mean, we're talking about practice. <laughs> don't, but, go, don't go out. <laughs> but I've seen Robbie in a game, and I know he can do it. I, I think Holden played a little bit, but I don't – Holden got in a few snaps in a few games last year, and frankly, he looked like a deer in the headlights guy, which is it's funny because I think the number one detractor for him, the two things people say about Holden is, A, he's a statue, and B, and B, he has no experience. The only way you get experience, folks, is by playing in a game. Yeah. I mean... The only way to get experience is to experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and and I told you this... I think people forget that a a quote-unquote statue quarterback, if they know how to work the pocket, if they know how to move up in the pocket, right, and avoid pressure, and they know how to make quick decisions, if they can read a defense and say, okay, this guy's going to be my number one, this guy's going to be my number two, yada, 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 they can get rid of the ball in a way that your rush is negated. Yeah. You know? That and you don't have to be – you made a good point. People forget that Jared Stidham, like, he wasn't lightning out there. He he just ran good enough. Right. All he could do was run good enough. And it's like Holden and Robbie are polar opposites, and it was perfect how you said it. Peyton is just, like, right there in the middle of mm-hmm. both of them. Holden, perfect passer, eh, just got to run good enough. Right. Robbie, amazing runner. Just got to be able to throw good enough. Mm-hmm. Peyton, please be better than both of them. Right. Just somebody take the lead. I'm really, I'm honestly kind of tired of talking about QBs because I just want somebody to win it. I want to watch the game. I'm ready for the game. I mean, UMass game kicks off two thirty. Um, we're just a couple weeks away. I know two, right? I think we're three weeks away. I'm sorry. Um, so you know, 
that that's the big news from the scrimmage. Now Auburn did the other rumors and and things that came about in there were that Auburn ran really a, a hurry up. They ran very fast pace early on, and that fast pace was extremely effective against Auburn's defense. Now Auburn's uh, worst defensive stat uh, last year was um, against the run. Um, in fact, they ended up being, excuse me, uh, 96th overall in the nation in rushing defense. Um, and so that's a big question mark that came out of the scrimmage was, is the rush, you know, what else can we do on the rush defense? That's a, a position that's depleted. Um, at most, there's about seven guys on the roster that can really play on the defensive line um, and be effective there. Uh, but Hugh Freeze did say once they slowed it down and they started, they took away pace and they started just trying to run execute ball where I'm going to call a play, we're going to go to the line, we're going to check things, you know, and then we're going to run the play. When he starts running it at that slower pace, he said the defense dominated. Um, so the defense was able to pick up their calls. And you got to remember this defense is is running a completely new scheme with a bunch of new players too. So they're trying to learn calls. Um, we talked about it earlier. They're probably all working on some individual things yeah. while they're out there, especially early on in practice. When you walk away from a scrimmage or an inter-squad game as a player, yeah. when you go into it, you're going into it trying to work on things. When yeah. you walk away from it, you're trying to judge how you did in working those things or did something else completely different happen and maybe you identified a new weakness or maybe you did something really well and you're like, I didn't even know I could do that. Yeah. Um, you're not walking away from it thinking, man, we got whooped as a defensive line. You know, I mean, yeah. your coach may, may say that. Your coach may recognize that and he may work to fix that. But you as a player going into it, working on your individual things to fix it, right? Working on maybe some communication and some teamwork, things like yeah, that. Yeah, from the outside looking in, you're looking at the whole product. But these players are looking at it as themselves as just a cog in the machine. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to do my job. Right. And if everybody just does their job, it all works together. So looking from the outside, it's like, oh, well, our run defense is terrible. But they're probably thinking, what if Coach Freeze told them, hey, I want you to work on your pass rush this whole time. Right. And they just ran the ball. Right. Like, well, like, what do you want them to do there? Right. Because then you're not filling in gaps. You're not playing to your assignment. You're saying, I'm going to go get the QB. Yeah, you know, and th there were a couple of standouts. Um, Keontae Scott, uh, who was a JUCO transfer, la played for Auburn last year, by all accounts is an absolute leader on the back end of that defense. Um, everybody has said he is a first or second round NFL dr prospect. Um, just the way he carries himself, the way he handles himself, and then his ability to play. DJ James is another defensive back, falls into that same category. He was a transfer from Oregon. Um, so those two guys are kind of leading the back end. And then up front, the two standouts are two transfers. Steven Sings, who came down from Liberty, um, is a huge player, uh, according uh, to fall camp uh, viewers. Um, and then... The other one is Jalen McLeod, who came from App State, um, who beat Texas A&M. And he was one of the key reasons they beat Texas A&M. I think he had two sacks and a fumble recovery or something something to that effect um, in that game. Um, he, was a, he was a really good player. Um, and everybody has said he, is, he may be the best player on the field um, for Auburn. I mean, just in terms of his pure athletic ability. Um, they say he's super twitchy, which means he's very quick, gets after it, um, and can really set the edge as a pass rusher, which is something Auburn's missed, honestly, for the past couple of years. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm excited to watch uh, Kedrick Folk. I know he might not be the starter, yep. but he's a freshman. But from what I've heard is he's, like, literally a beast. Yeah, there. he's a monster. You know, I think he's sort of a, a Will Anderson in terms of yeah. body style. I mean, you know, that, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, which that's, you know, pretty high praise. Yeah, um, you know, that's, I don't think people necessarily have that expectation of him, but that's sort of the vein of player that he's in. I think it's expected, you know, down the road. Yeah. I mean, he's a freshman, so. Right. You know, he's going to make some mistakes this year, but. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just ready to see what his raw talent ability is. That's what I'm looking forward to. 
Yeah, there's some defensive linemen that have got to step up too. So you've got Justin Rogers transferred from Kentucky and um, Masili uh, Kite uh, transferred from Maryland. Uh, both were starting defensive tackles from uh, uh, at their respective schools. So I think they're both expected to be contributors. Uh, still got some things to work on. I know Rogers had kind of a shoulder inju- injury going into fall camp, so um, hopefully he can get healed up and get ready for the season. Um, but again, this is a defense that's still working on um, working together, right? They're still working on their communication. Uh, this is Ron Roberts runs a heavy blitz scheme, and so there's a lot of slants, there's a lot of blitzes, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, and if you're kind of worried about that, well, Kirby Smart runs a similar defense. He runs a lot of slants. He runs a lot of blitzes. He's very aggressive. Uh, uh, Venables, who was the defensive coordinator for Clemson and is now the head coach at Oklahoma, um, when he was at Clemson, he ran a very aggressive blitzing defense. He did the same thing there. So it's a very effective scheme um, that he's running. It just it's going to take a minute for the players to step up and learn that and get a hold of it. So I think the second scrimmage is going to be the one yeah. where you're going to learn the most about yeah. this team. I mean, yes, it'll be the most you can learn before a game. Right. And we were talking about it. Auburn fans typically get this idea in their head, then practice happens, and there's a little bit of panic in some areas. And it's just like, guys, let's chill out. It's just a practice game. They're playing against each other, so they're not going 100%. They're not trying to kill each other. You're on the same team at the end of the day. Right. So you can't take this maybe take it with more than a grain of salt but it's not the end all be all the scrimmage it's not over okay we're fine and from what i've heard we did pretty good so yeah i mean i think q freeze for the most part was fairly pleased the one thing we hadn't talked about is the wide receivers you know he did quote say hey you know i'm not sure if the receivers were made the wrong read so in hugh freeze's offense here philip montgomery's offense Receivers have option routes, so when they line up, depending on how the corner plays them, their route will change. And so that means there's a lot of decision-making going on with that. Them and the quarterback have to be on the same page. There's a lot of work that has to go into that, which is why the quarterback race is very important. Um, But nonetheless, um, he said, hey, you know, I don't know if these guys made the wrong decision on the routes or if they were just loafing which telling a player that he was loafing in practice is pretty big deal for a head coach to call a player out like that, call a group of players out like that. So I imagine the wide receivers this week will have a much better practice and at the next scrimmage will do a much better job of being prepared. I'm sure they had a fun day at practice. I'm sure they did. They probably got a, <laughs> got a few extra steps in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to learn from Auburn. I think Auburn's got a lot more to grow from um, in this fall camp. Um, and hopefully the next scrimmage will be even better. Uh, there will likely be an open scrimmage. I'm sure you'll get some more rumors from the next one um, as they narrow it down. Uh, you should also be hearing from Hugh Freeze to narrow down the QB race from uh, from three to two. Um, and just before we leave here, he was asked that question, um, you know, hey, is a, is a, are you having a tougher time cutting down that QB race yeah. from – from three to two, and he said, well, I had my mind made up, but now I'm going to have to go back and watch the film, which means all three guys are pushing, which yeah. is why Emin and I say that, you know, I think we're in a good position, yeah. right? you got three guys that can play the play the role. Yeah, and the fact that that kind of competition is happening, that they're getting exponentially better right now. Right. So you almost want the race to, like, kind of last a little bit longer. Yeah. Because whoever's going to win is going to be exponentially better than they were than before the fall camp. So... It's exciting things. What day do you think it'll be this week that he gets it down to two? I think I think he wants to get it down. I I, I fully believe he wants to get it down to two before um, before the uh, preseason camp starts. So fall camp is all the practices that occur before classes, and then once classes start, that becomes yeah. preseason camp. Preseason practices, camp, whatever you want to call it, 
That's typically where you start game planning. Yeah. They're not really game planning right now. Right now, they're focusing on Fundies. their offense, their defense, fundamentals, all those type things, having good communication, um, trying to identify what their strengths and weaknesses are going to be, you know, before they get into the season. So I think he definitely wants to have it down to two before. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to have it down to two yesterday. Yeah. Because I was day 10. Yeah. So he had a 10 day plan. Yeah. And I don't, I think, I actually think he didn't say he wouldn't make a decision. He just said he would have to go back and watch film. Yeah. So I think he's going to make a tough decision. And I think a decision is going to come out here in the next few days yeah. about who the top two are. Or you'll at least be able to read, read between the grapevines of, of who the top two are. Um, I think it's Peyton Thorne and I think it's Holden Garner. Really? I do. That, I just... And, well... Let, <laughs> all right, hear. we can't close out on this. Okay. <laughs> so, Robbie Ashford, the only way he can transfer at this point is if he graduates. He's set to graduate in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, Holden Garner can transfer at any time. He has okay. not used his transfer yet. I get your logic here already. So... If he says, hey, Holden, you're the number two, right, then he knows he's got Robbie, he knows he's got Peyton Thorne, and then he holds on to Holden Garner for for this season too. So from a long-term planning perspective as a coach, from a roster management perspective, that's that's the best thing. Now, he could come out there and say, you know, does he go and does he recruit Holden and say, hey, Holden, um, you made this race really close, you know, but Peyton and Robbie give us the best chance to win the games. You know, I just think somebody's going to transfer. One, of, That's the thing. One of them's going to end up trying. I mean, Peyton can't then. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Um, RIP to whoever. That's right. But I, I personally believe it's Peyton Thorne and Robbie. Uh, you know what? I don't know, though, because Robbie's like his own little thing. He's his own being. So you I still wonder if there's a package thing going on. I, I still I think he could name Peyton and Holden the one and the two and then say we've got packages set up for yeah. Robbie. Like Robbie could get more playing time than Holden yes. as number three. Yes. I believe that's a real possibility. I do too. And might be the best because then you might hold on to every single one of them. And might be the first guy off the bench, right? Yeah. In, in a pinch because he's got the game experience yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But if there's a if you got a week to prepare, Holden might be the guy yeah. that starts again. Or or an injury. Right. And it's the beginning of a drive. Right. Holden can go in. Yeah. I I think that's a solid situation. And I think you might. Do you think you could keep all three? If you can sustain Robbie's playing time where it's just good enough. Yeah. Just enough snaps. You think so? I, I don't know. I think Robbie's leaving after this year. You think so? Yeah. You don't think he's going to Unless he's named the outright starter, which I don't oh, yeah. see happening, I think he's gone after this year. Because he, he can graduate and transfer. Yeah. I, need to see, I need to see him. I got to see him play. I, got, I, want, I want to be able to confidently be like, yeah, he needs to go. Yeah. I can't stand it when we let go of like Malik Willis. I was like, we never even really get to watch him. He, he could be a great – I mean, he could be a great quarterback. Um, you know, he just – if he's fixed those short, short passes – and fumbles. So, we'll see. He didn't, he didn't turn it over. Yeah, he did not turn it over. So, well, hey, that's it for us on this episode of the Beham Podcast. Uh, please continue to tune in as we talk SEC news, stories, and more. Don't forget to like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Beham Brothers. Thanks, and y'all have a great day. All right, hey, so we do have a couple more closing remarks we wanted to make. We actually have a Special guest here with us, Drew. Say hi to all the listeners. Hey. Hey, Drew is uh, going to help us uh, close out this podcast we've got going here. We broke down the Auburn scrimmage, but we did want to say a little bit about Alabama. Emmett, what do you what do you think about Alabama and and their their scrimmage and everything's going on with that program? Well, I know Simpson's making a lot of noise down there. Uh, we're we kind of were hard on them a little bit and. A few comments, just because we didn't know how well they're going to be this year. You know, Nick Saban might be retiring soon, and we just don't know how good this Alabama team is, or if it's really the Alabama that we've seen for the past 10 years. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we talked about, you know, uh, Saban has seemed to 
he's playing to the reporters more. You know, it seems like he's closed his last few press conferences by making some jokes. And, yeah. you know, he talked at SEC Media Days about um, how expectations can be a bad thing. And I don't think you ever would have heard Nick Saban saying that in, I mean, in years past. The Nick Saban we all know and love is rat poison from the media and quit asking and all that kind yeah, of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hates them. He it's hates them. So. Rightfully um, so. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything good, though, to say about Alabama. Drew, can you think of anything good to say about them? Mm-hmm. I know one thing, that it's my family's, family's least favorite team. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm Drew's uncle, so, I mean, I can vouch for that. I, I hate Alabama. I really do. I, I do, too. I, I've, I've never liked them, um, never liked their fans. Um, it's it's a whole a whole bunch of sidewalk folks down there. Yeah, I, I can't really speak too much against their fans because I've got a few friends. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, I do too, but I still want to give them a hard time. But so. as a whole, yes, I, I can't stand them. I agree. Drew, Drew, you got any Alabama friends? Almost more than uh, almost all of them. Almost, almost all, all of them? All of them? Well, that's not oh, good. Man. A lot of that's because all, Auburn hadn't been very good recently, but we'll we'll turn that around. We'll We'll, we'll have a few more orange and blue fans. Uh, here going forward so drew we're uh as we think about football season coming up what are you most excited about about football season i'm going to watch my favorite team play yeah and who's your favorite team in the nfl or college both in the nfl the ravens the Ravens, baltimore ravens okay what about college Auburn and LSU. Auburn and LSU hey, okay that's my I'll, right I'll, there, yeah. I'll, I'll take LSU I'll take LSU why do you like LSU just do. You just do? You like Joe Burrow? Mm-hmm. Joe yeah. Shiesty. He, he played at and LSU. And Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is legit. Mm. And OBJ. Uh, and OBJ. Yeah. yeah. Odell Beckham was, was pretty solid. It's pretty solid there for a while. I love LSU fans. I do love LSU fans. They, they, they can cook. Great food. Just great atmosphere. They're wild. Yeah, they're crazy. They're, and I'm crazy. Yeah. They're my people. <laughs> All right, well, uh, those are the – we just wanted to, to tune in and have a special guest here with Drew. Drew, you got anything – any last thing to say you want to say here? Mm-mm. No? Emma, any, any closing remarks? Well, I mean, I just – I think Alabama stinks. I really do. I just don't think they're going to be good this year, and I, I'm down on them. All right, Emmett's bringing the Alabama hate. We are going to do an Alabama podcast uh, here soon. We'll break down their season – um needless to say we think they're gonna suck this year um and so you'll have to tune in to see what we think their final record's gonna be to be fair uh us calling them saying that they're gonna suck is like a little bit different because it's alabama yeah (laughs) just simply means they're not gonna be asked not as bad as like florida (laughs) but uh bad for alabama their suck just means they're not making the playoff yeah maybe (laughs) maybe 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 all right well thank you all for tuning in uh Please don't forget to like and subscribe to us on Twitter and Facebook at Beham Brothers.